morning, church. So good to see you guys. Turn in your Bibles. Uh, we're going to be in uh, Mark chapter 9, and we're going to be starting in verse 17 uh, here in just a second. Um, but while you're turning there, I want to talk to you a little bit about, um, if you remember, if you were here last fall, we walked through a vision series, and I talked about some initiatives that we as a church uh, are going to be led to embrace that I felt the Lord was leading us to embrace, and many of those we have. Uh, but one thing that that meant for this particular campus right here in South Austin is we assembled a South Austin campus revitalization team, and the task for that team is to lead us as a church to invest in this very spot because the opportunity for the gospel uh, mission in this area in the next 20 years is going to be immense, especially in a rapidly growing city. Um, this place, this strategic location uh, is going to be uh, critical in the gospel mission for, for Austin, Texas. And so we, they're going to be leading us in investing in this campus. And one thing that I shared with you, and I want to remind you of it, uh, is that in the next five years, five years, in a three-mile radius of this church, draw a three-mile circle around this church on a, on a, on a map, it is projected that 10,000 people are going to move into that area in the next five years. 10,000 people in this city, uh, right in a three-mile radius of this particular campus. And what that means is this campus is positioned right in the heart of incredible gospel opportunity. And so I, you get to thinking about that and you begin to ask yourself, how can we as a church prepare for making an impact, making the most impact we possibly can. How can we um, overcome challenges that we might currently have to make the most opportunity of the next five years and even 20 years on this campus right here as a gospel community? Because God uses the church in the community for his own purposes. He saves people. He strengthens the saints and disciples them and grows them in a walk with him. And we want to see that happen um, in, in an incredible way, especially with this opportunity being afforded right here. Not many churches can say that that's going to happen in a three-mile radius around their church in America. But it is going to happen right here. And so positioning ourselves is what's on my mind in putting this revitalization team together. This past fall, we assembled a revitalization team. We brought them to a family meeting, introduced them to you. Um, and it's an incredible team. Um, and on this campus, what we don't have, we don't have a lot of problems. We have a wonderful fellowship, healthy body of Christ. Uh, the, and, and so when you talk about the churches, the people, um, and all kinds of factors, we are very healthy when it comes to who, who we are. But with a couple of things that uh, are more secondary items, um, we don't have a capacity issue in the sense that we had to make space. What we have is a quality issue. We have buildings on this campus that are, some of them, 50 year, almost 50 years old now. Um, and 50-year-old challenges with these facilities, and I think it's something that we need to address. So we assembled this particular team to handle some of that. We have two-story buildings that have no elevator, only steps. Think about that. So if you're in, in a wheelchair or anything like that and you need to go to the second floor of the EC building, we are carrying you up that building or we're just going to move whatever it is downstairs. That shouldn't be. Why? 50 years ago, you didn't have to have an elevator. Um, but obviously now things have changed. And so there's challenges that we have to come, come, um, come to, to, to face. And it's time for us to invest in, in the facility infrastructure on this campus to be at an excellent level 
for the next 20 years of ministry and all the opportunity that God's going to bring our way. It's the one thing that is kind of uh, the thing that needs to be overcome on this campus. Although there's not many other things that can kill you, we don't have, praise God, we are healthy. Uh, but the one thing that can't make you but can break you is facilities. That and location and money. <laughs> but facilities can't, can't make you but it can break you. And so here's what is about to happen. You're about to start getting some communication updates with the work that this team has been doing from the fall all the way up until this point. We've been working very hard. We've been in a lot of prayer, seeking the Lord to what those particular items would be. And this summer, up until early fall, you as a campus, you're going to be getting updates about what this is. And I'm telling you this, um, you're going to be included in this. It's going to take all of us together to make sacrifices, to work together. And, but what you're going to find, I believe, you're going to look back on this time frame and you're going to see those were some of the best times we experienced God work so amazingly because when the church rallies together and we all start making sacrifices for the kingdom cause on a campus, um, God moves in incredible ways. And he, it's not about just uh, coming together to solve facility issues. It's about discipleship and us trusting God with things. And, and it's, it's going to be an amazing time. But you're about to start getting some communication pieces right here. We're about to start meeting some of these challenges. I am incredibly excited about what this team is developing and where God is, is taking us, and I can't wait for you to hear more about that. I just wanted to put that in your pocket and say just be praying, be praying. We have a couple of things that we need to do before we actually start rolling it out to you, but it's coming, okay? So nod your head like this. Y'all got it? It's coming, and I just wanted to prepare you uh, for that, and I think you're going to just absolutely love the work that God's been doing through this team. And, um, and, and, and so just look for the summer. It's coming. All right. In our text today, uh, Jesus is coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration. I've been to this place where we think it is. It's got to be in this particular area. Um, and uh, it's really high. Uh, actually, the clouds blow by you when you're on this mountain. It's really amazing. Um, but he's coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration back into the real world, so to speak. And, uh, and it's a mess. Uh, it's almost like Moses coming off the mountain into the people just being uh, in a mess. And Jesus comes down and he finds them in this argument with religious leaders and the disciples have been struggling with this one particular case and they can't seem to overcome it. It's just a mess. And so Jesus shows up and expresses some of this uh, frustration with, oh my goodness, like <laughs> back to the grind, you know, like coming back from vacation, back to work or something, you know. So he has this sort of uh, expression here. Uh, so he finds this mess. And everyone looks up and sees Jesus, um, and they all rush to him, particularly one man with his son. And then we're going to look at this account um, in verse 17 down to 29. I'm going to read. Let's read along together. And when you read the Word of God, always ask, Lord, help me develop the imagery in my mind and my heart of what is taking place here, what actually took place. But not just that. Uh, open my own heart. Show me me in this text. Show me my world. In this text, show me the lives of other people around me in this text. Uh, Spirit of Jesus, speak to me personally in my life right now through it. And I believe if you haven't done that and you start doing that, the Bible will come alive to you and your walk with God will take on a whole nother dimension. Um, and that's how you want to read the scripture all the time. But let's do that right now, okay? Let's meditate on the word. Verse 17. And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams, and, uh, foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? 
How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately convulsed the boy. And he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible for the one for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out. And the boy was like a corpse. So that most of them said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. This is the word of God. Let's pray and ask the Lord to guide our meditation. Father, we just um, submit ourselves to you. And uh, Lord, as we, uh, we step into this moment, um, this account of a father and a son and Jesus and disciples and religious leaders, um, Lord, would you unpack it into our hearts. Spirit of God, speak to us. Make us what you want us to be. Take us where you want us to go. Um, and Lord... Help us be like this man in our doubts to ask, to ask, and to receive, and to engage with you, and to experience you personally. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're in week three of our series, um, and we're seeking to help believers. People who have trusted Christ in their lives and they're walking with the Lord, they're reading their Bible, they're in church, they, they, uh, they're living life um, and, and seeking to, as best they can, live out their purpose of their life with the Lord. And um, it is true that believers from time to time, for whatever reason, coming from multiple angles and sources, um, will have doubts cross fire across their mind and in their heart and these doubts are thoughts and their feelings and sometimes they're just overwhelming um, and I'm not talking about spiritual discouragement or a low time or a low spiritual time I'm talking about doubting the whole enterprise of Christianity I'm talking about thinking of Christ himself as a fraud um, and, and and when you feel that come across your heart it's very scary when that happens, especially if you're not used to it, you've never felt it before, you're so full of faith and you're full of uh, uh, just confidence in the Lord and then all of a sudden this creeps up and you're just like, have I done something wrong? Is this not the way, what is going on here? And you can get confused and you can get scared and all of those emotions are appropriate in responding to those moments like that. Uh, but it isn't something, as we talked about in week one, it's not something that you need to freak out about. The, the most comforting thing in the world is to know that John the Baptist himself in week one had this very same feeling, very same thought pattern that Jesus might be a fraud. Um, and, and so he had that same kind of sense. And so we have to think that if John the Baptist, who Jesus says is the greatest of all human beings, can feel these things, then it might be the case that where we might run into some of these things as well. 
And we talked about sources of doubt. We talked about intellectual doubt. In other words, a person that's just approaching their faith with an evidence approach where the math has to add up and things need to have logical pattern and reasoning and we bring this expectation to a faith. Um, and we know that, that that's not how you walk with God based on math and evidence only and those types of things. Now, evidence is important. It points to the source of faith. But ultimately, you can't walk with God just on evidence based alone. You have to trust him and walk with him uh, by faith. And you have to do that in any faith system. Uh, and, and we talked about that. But then so the intellectual doubt, that the intellectual doubt many people have. Then you have emotional doubt, which is a lot more about the question why. Why did God allow this to happen? Why did he allow it to happen to me? Why did he allow it to happen to them? Um, I've been hurt by Christians and emotionally I'm angry and I really want to forsake the whole thing and I doubt the whole thing because of the behavior of some Christians. Um, th this is also bundled up into emotional doubt. Tragedy has struck my life and how could that have happened if God is who he says he is and, and I'm wrestling now and doubt creeps in and, and, and it can be overwhelming uh, to a person. And so emotional doubt, all that's bundled up, all into emotional doubt. Uh, theological doubt, trying to connect dots that the Bible doesn't connect. You get to certain uh, theological truths and you try to weigh those things together and doubt starts creeping in. That's, that's another one. Moral doubt, you're just making choices away from the faith. You're getting away from the word, away from prayer, away from the people of God, and you just decide to live on your own, and you're immersing yourself in the world, and, and all of a sudden the flesh gets strong, and you're making poor choices, maybe even sinful choices, and all of a sudden doubt creeps in because the flesh is strong, and that's just, that's just the, the way it works. And so moral doubt can also be another struggle. And then last week, the question I wanted to, answer, uh, to, to, to look at that we often overlook in doubt seasons is to whom will I go? Um, if, if I'm struggling so much with this one, well then what else out there solves the deepest needs that I have? How does others solve the doubt problem I have in the one I'm in? Right? And that is a great, it's, it's, just the, it's the, uh, the, the question of Peter, to whom shall we go? Right? Um, you alone hold the words of eternal life. Where, where else am I going to go to get what I'm looking for? Does anything that I'm looking for out there exist? And I know that doubt is going to be involved in those as well. Uh, and help, looking at the other, looking at the alternatives also helps us kind of deal better with the one we're in. Um, and so I think it's helpful. But this week we're going to talk about the key aspect of making it through a doubting season. And it really comes from our passage today in our text. We see a father who is desperate. Nothing will make you more desperate. Nothing will deplete the air out of your lungs in life. Nothing will be more burdensome to you than to have a child who is struggling. Amen. There's nothing worse. There's nothing more burdensome and grievous and just completely make you collapse in life than to have a child that is struggling or even a grandchild. Um, it, it, it's, it's incredibly painful. And this father is there. And he is watching this thing cripple his son and almost try to kill his son constantly. Can you imagine the constant, constant struggle of, of hoping that he can find some solution and constantly feeling his son get uh, debilitated by this thing over and over and over? And can you imagine the burden that's grown and the dead ends that he's faced? And, and here he is having to just carry it. And can you imagine that he probably comes to a place after a while where he just says, maybe this is just the way it is. 
You know, you, know you, may, you may get to that point where you just, this is just how it is. You give up. And we see him desperate. But here's the cool thing. This desperation drives him to Jesus. And whenever a desperate person goes to Jesus, typically in the scriptures, usually awesome things happen. Usually. Always. When you feel in your heart desperation, it may be a lightweight desperation, you lost your job and you don't know what you're going to do. It may be a heavy desperation, the call from the doctor, tragedy situation. When you feel desperation in your heart, desperation, two, two Ds, desperation drive me to Jesus. Let it always drive you to Jesus. When I feel desperate in my heart, and it can be even just my boyfriend broke up with me desperate, okay? When you feel desperate, let it drive you to Jesus. It's an opportunity for you to engage with him. Now, this father was desperate, and the father went to the right person, Jesus. And in his desperation, he said something really profound in this interaction, and it's a beautiful, dynamic statement that he said that I want to unpack here this morning. He says, I believe, help my unbelief. <laughs> this man is confused, right? Yeah, but, but you know what he's talking about, don't you? I believe, but help my unbelief. Um, what could he be saying here? Well, the one thing I think we can gather from this that might push against the way we see our faith sometimes is this. Faith is not an all or nothing dynamic. Faith is not black and white. Faith has this giant mixture of gray when you're talking about the amount of faith to the degree of faith in a person's heart and in their life. And this, this father um, is showing us that there can be complexities with faith. There can be you have faith, you're trusting, but maybe the trust is not to the degree that it should be, or... Uh, your trust is riddled with some doubts moved in it, and it's all men intermingled. But it's there. You have faith, but it's got doubts also plaguing your faith. Um, it's complex. And faith is, is complex, as complex, as, as a human being is complex. And, and that's what we see happening in this man's heart and in his life. And we can think of this father's statement like this. Um, it can be that he was saying this. I want to believe, but I can't, right? Uh, he feels incapable of believing the way Jesus was saying, like for him who believes. Uh, I, I want to believe that much, but I can't believe that much. And help me, give me what I don't have. Give me the faith I don't have so that I can satisfy this requirement you're talking about and I can get help. And, and, and isn't that beautiful? But then maybe he says, I, I do believe, but, but not all the way, help me. I don't believe to the degree. Um, I, I, have, I believe, but I'm riddled with these doubts as well. Help me. Help me overcome my doubts. And look at this. This is really cool. Jesus doesn't say, come back when you get real faith. Right? Jesus just does it. Isn't he beautiful? He just does it. A couple questions here. What, what if your struggle in a season of doubt 
is the opportunity for God to show himself to you in ways that he never has before. What if? What if there is a purpose for your doubt and there is a purpose of spiritual growth for your doubt? What if this season is a purpose to take you higher, not lower? I believe it is. It can be. What if your struggle with doubt is the opportunity for God to make himself undeniable to you? What did Jesus do for this man? He prayed an honest prayer to Jesus. and he talked directly to Jesus. And he said, I believe. Help me with my unbelief. And what happens? Jesus helps him with his unbelief. Jesus touched the boy and solved it. What happens to this man's faith? He just got helped. Why? He ran into the undeniable reality and power of Jesus. Undeniable. And what happened to him? You think he ever had a faith struggle from that point on? I think he just got obliterated. I think his faith just grew. Could it be your doubts is an opportunity for God to make himself undeniable to you. But there's an engagement here. What if your struggle with doubt is the opportunity God will use to make your faith unwavering? What if this is part of discipleship? And this is something you have to feel. And God wants you to feel it. And you have to work through it. But that's what he did for this father. I asked my wife last night. We were eating dinner. Just her and me. And, and uh, I said, thinking about this sermon. And I was really wrestling. Trying to close the door on this thing, man. Y'all know I have a hard time at the last minute trying to close it. Finish it, you know. Um, and I'm struggling with it. And so I'm like, you know, Christy, what, what would you say to someone who's struggling with doubt? And, and she wrestled back and forth. She got a lot. She probably had 100 answers in her head. But then she, she, she basically looked at me. She says, in the end. You just need a personal encounter with God. And she's absolutely right. In the end, you need a personal encounter where God reveals himself to you personally. And he will. And he will. So doubt is removed by assurance. And the only one who can give assurance of himself is God. And he will do that. He will give you assurance of himself. I am 100% convinced, however, that if he will, it is a result of us seeking him in prayer. Prayer is the pathway to battle your doubts. And it's where God will meet you and deal with your doubts with you. But you must go to him. You must pray. If you rely on evidence alone, reasoning alone, and all of these things alone, it will fall short. Prayer will get you there. Prayer will connect you to God personally. That's the avenue. And there is no other path to getting that undeniable thing you need. It's prayer. Prayer makes the concept a reality. you it makes theology personal It, it does all of those things and that's the path prayer is a process prayer is engagement prayer is often a wrestle with God prayer is working out stuff of the soul with the one who loves to meet with us and to process with us he loves it And you have to be willing to wait for him. 
Wait for his answer. He's after something. You got to wait for it. Yes, at, at times you do. You have to watch for how he may answer you. He might answer you in ways where your radar needs to be on and you need to be listening and you need to be watching. Yes, pray, but watch and wait and listen and let him do it. Let him do it. God is not a machine. Amen. You know, where you treat God like, you know, I pulled the slot, I said the right thing, I quoted the, the, the prayer, slot machine, bam, now it comes out this little thing for me. What? Assurance. No. Doesn't work that way. God is a person. The way you're a person, you're made in his image, he's a person too. Relatable being. The sovereign, omnipotent, all-knowing, eternal God has made himself personally available to you. Think about that. Like, he knows everything about you, and yet he also makes himself relatable to us. It's a fascinating thing, a beautiful thing. But he's a person. And so here, here's what I want to do. How do we go to God in times of doubt? How do we go to him and, 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 and engage with him so that he would meet with us and help us with a doubting season? So let me, let me give you a couple of principles here. Praying away our doubts. I don't want to sound too simplistic, but it sounded like a nice little thing, right? So I just stuck with it. So praying away our doubts. <coughs> Excuse me. First one, be authentic with God. This man didn't fake it. He almost tried. It's almost like he tried to fake it. And Jesus says, everything's possible for him who believes. Well, I want my son. Well, I believe. And then he kind of goes, help me with my unbelief. It's like he's he's, he's being honest, you know, because you want Jesus to do for you what you need him to do. And you're tempted to go, I believe 100%. And Jesus is going, hmm, you being honest? Okay, okay, maybe I don't believe all the way. But help me with that, Lord. Help me believe. Help me. Get me there. Help me. Be honest. Be honest. And, and being authentic in prayer, man, we often cover our weaknesses to Jesus when that is the one person we should never hide stuff from in prayer. You know why? Because he knows it already. He knows you better than you do. He knows your circumstances better than you do. He already knows all of that stuff. So what do you think you're doing by going, hey, Jesus, how you? I got this stuff back here, but I'm not, I'm not going to talk about it. I'm just going to hide it. When you go to God in prayer, you bring everything out and you deal with it. And you talk to God about it. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. Get you a spot. Like, I don't know. It's just symbolically speaking. Find a place on the earth. This is where I get with God and do business. You draw a circle around it and you go, I'm getting in here and now. This is the time where I'm doing business with God. Maybe it's a tree on your ranch where no one can hear you shouting and laying it all out. And you want to do business and you get it, get it done, right? In my, this morning, it was so funny. <laughs> I was in my office. I forgot two guys were showing up to pray with me this morning. And I am jamming uh, some praise music as loud as, as loud. Like, I think nobody else is on the campus, honestly, because I was the only one here for a long time. And I'm jamming loud as I can. And the reason why I jam, if you ever walk by my office and you think I'm nuts, no, I'm just trying to keep you from hearing what I'm saying, all right? I'm 
shouting to God, and I need it loud because I'm talking and I'm talking it out. And if I got anything in my soul that I have not vented out before I get up here and preach this word, shame on me. If I got something that ain't been dealt with and all, I get, I get it all out. And I ask everything that I think he wants for us as Bannockburn. I ask for all of it. I ask for you. I pray and I seek God. And, I, and if there's anything burdening me, you better believe I ain't leaving it in my pocket. It's coming out and I'm talking to God directly about it. And I'm expressing some things that some, and, and many times are very embarrassing for me to bring up with God. It's embarrassing. But consider the psalmist. When you go to the psalmist, the psalmist is supposed to teach you how to pray. What a psalm is, is a prayer uh, example. You know, when they, told, they asked Jesus, teach us to pray, you know what he did? He handed them a prayer. They said, hey, start with that. What does that mean? Let me give you a, a heads up. You know how to pray already. You're a human being. He's given you, in your human nature, the ability to talk to him. You can pray. You just let not knowing everything about prayer stop you from actually doing it. But you can pray. So get with it. Get started. Uh, God doesn't, uh, you know how he's saying you can't steer a parked car? You, Jesus is saying, start moving the car. Just start talking. You know how to talk. You know how to talk. Talk to God. Just start. Here, start with this. Start with this prayer, the Lord's Prayer. Start, yeah, put that in your own words. Get going and start relating to God. Start relating to him and he will take you where he wants you to go. You will learn the power of prayer. You'll learn the dynamics of prayer. You'll learn what the relationship with God is all about. He will teach you himself through prayer. Get going on it. Take what you want in life to him. Don't just put up with stuff. Go to him and go, no, no. I don't, I'm not going to put up with that. <laughs> I want to talk to you, and I want that to be dealt with. You ever done that with God? Psalmists do. Let me give you two examples. Psalm 10. Look what the psalmist starts off the psalm with. Why, Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Don't you see this? Why are you distant? And maybe it's just me, I don't feel you, but you're not here. That's what he's saying. Why are you allowing this to happen? Why are you? You ever said that to God? I'm not saying it's right for you to treat God like with anger. But I am saying be authentic in your talking with God. You see, the whole thing about Hebrews where it says be, you can approach his throne boldly because of the blood of Christ. You have access to the blood of Christ. So you wouldn't go into the president's office in the Oval Office and say, hey, what are you doing? Well, maybe some of you would. Let me back off of that illustration. Um, you would go in with all of this, you know, prim and proper and all that kind of stuff. But what would a son of a president do in the Oval Office? Dad, I want my truck. You know, he would say things to dad. Right, And it's like we have the boldness to enter God's presence and say things that need to be said. Psalm 39, 13. Probably the most, thing, the most interesting thing I think I would never say to God. And here, here's what he says uh, in the ESV. He says, look away from me that I may smile again before I depart and am no more. You know what he's saying there? Can I paraphrase it for you? In the Hebrew, it's hard to kind of break, break through. He's saying this, God, leave me alone so I can enjoy some happiness in the few years I have left in this life. 
Yeah, he said that to God. And some of you are going, you can say that to God? Yeah, because you thought it. If you have thought it, you would say, I would never talk like that to God. It's what your soul needs. It's what God wants. Honesty and engagement. I believe God meets us right there. Be honest. Say what needs to be said to God from your soul. Is there something in your soul that you know is just there? Get it out to God. Tell him about it. What you're feeling. Then say it. Say it again. Say it in a way where you have a sense where you're crying it out to God. And you're asking him to do something. Expressing your struggle and asking for his help at the same time. It might be that if you do this, nothing other than you just feel better for talking to God about it might come from it. And you don't have to struggle with the weight of it anymore as much as you did. That God gives relief. He gives relief from the burden in your heart. Maybe you can cope with something better. or more. You have more power. You just feel it. That's what prayer is all about. Next, trust that God is able to help. Although this father has tried everything. Now you think about it. If he was operating off of evidence. If this father was just following the evidence. He would conclude this is just reality. And it's nothing that's going to happen that's going to make this different. Because what? I tried that. I tried that. I tried the disciples. They were healing everybody else. They didn't heal him. I've tried everything and nothing has worked. If I'm an evidence seeker, I'm thinking, yeah, this is ridiculous that you're even asking for this. But he had some measure of trusting that Jesus would be able to help him. He had a hunch. Uh, maybe, maybe just a, a gut feeling that maybe, maybe. Uh, the disciples couldn't, but maybe he can. And he sees Jesus, and he just goes to him and trusts that Jesus might. And even in his statement, he says, if you can do anything, just help us. If you can do just something. See, he's, he's even saying, like, I'm, I'm approaching you with respect, and I'm approaching you with the sense that you might not be able to do anything. And that would be okay. I don't want to force you to make you feel pressure. But if you can do anything, and Jesus is like, no, 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 man. You're going to ask like that? Come on. Come on. Is what Jesus is saying here. What do you mean? If you can? <laughs> no. Come up to me. Grab my cloak and go, help me. That's what I want. I want you to know I can do it. And I want you to call out to me. And I want you to ask me. And just trust. Trust. That's what I want. When you struggle in doubting seasons, take whatever faith you have to him, to the altar, and put it all on there. And just whatever trust you can, trust that he might be able to help you with your struggle. Just lay yourself out there and trust him and ask him. Look at Hebrews eleven six, And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him, what? must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You know, even to, to, to start prayer, you have to have some level of trust that he's there. Right? And you have it. You're a human being. If you search deep and unpack it and not stuff it down deep, 
You have it in you. You know he's there. Let it go. Let it come out and go, okay, God, just start it. Just start. Watch what happens. Just start it. Believe that he exists, and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Seek him. Do business with God. Do business with God, and thank God, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, we can get up in there and get our soul cleaned out before the Lord and let him minister to us and answer us. You can have that. It's there for you. This is how he works. Seek him and just trust. Trust him. Then last, ask God to help. There is no better one word to pray that I think has an English language than the one word. And you have to say this word from a place of desperation, a place of trusting and crying out when you say it and expressing it totally. And that one word is help. You know, you feel something in your soul and you're trying to like fix it all yourself and and it just keeps getting worse or whatever it might be. I know I've had these times in my own life where I just kind of endure it, you know, and then it's just like, oh, and I'm like, what do I do with this? And it's the burden and life is feeling like it's caving in a little bit and things aren't working out and that's going down and this is going down and that's going down and now they're, oh, you know, and, and it's so cool. That you could just say one word and take it all before God because he knows. And you could just go to God and go, God, help, help. You can call God. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was like, that's awesome. See there? You call him anyway. Sorry about that. But help me. Help me. Help. Help is beautiful because it conveys humility. You don't think you can do it. I got it. Help says, I can't. Uh, Help is desperation. Help is knowing you don't have another option. Like, you don't, you you had some way to do it, you would do it. Uh, It shows that you recognize your inability. It shows that you believe your problem isn't too big for God, though. It shows that you probably feel as though you don't have anywhere else to go. And that's all beautiful because that's all the things that God loves. Can I say in my experience, there are a few prayers God responds to like the prayer, help, help. You're walking wherever you go during the week, work, and someone cries out close to you, help. You just go, Do you do that? Neither does God. You want his attention? Cry out. And don't come up here and go, hey, you know, I'm just respectful. I know, you know, you don't have to do anything. No, come on. Get in here. Grab me. Ask me. Ask me. Develop those instincts. Have you ever felt like you're losing your mind? Have you ever felt like life is caving in on you? Have you ever felt total despair? I have. Last fall, I felt the feelings. I had conversations with friends, many of you. And I'm telling you, I'm like, life is not worth living. I've had that. I don't have it now. I'm good. I'm fine. But man, did I have to pray. It was caving in on me. And it was bad. 
but I'm, I'm okay. And a lot of friends and everybody, I got through it. I got through it. It was, it was about, but I have had those feelings. It happens. It happens in life. Develop the instincts that these feelings, when you have them, are the invitation of heaven to come. Whenever you feel it, say, I just got an invitation. And let hope fill your heart a little bit. Like, I don't have to burden this on my own. No, you have a God who loves you. And this is what he's there for. This is why he wants you to come to him for those things right there. This is the invitation of God for me to go to him and go, all right, God, let me draw a circle. I need to do business. And I'm just going to start talking. And I'm going to do the best I can. And I'm going to tell you everything. And I'm going to get it all out. And I'm going to ask what I think might be right, but I don't know. And I'm asking, help! And I'm just getting it all out there. So develop those instincts. When you feel that burden for your child, when you feel the, the tragedy is just too much to bear, when you feel like life is caving in, you lost your job, whatever is happening, all of these things are just like this on you. Go to heaven. Go to heaven and ask God. Develop those instincts. Let me tell you, he's going to answer you. And he's going to answer in a way that's unique to you. Y'all know there's only one burning bush in the Bible. One. But God talked to a lot of people, but he used one burning bush. It's not like, oh, man, I need to go find a burning bush somewhere. Because uh, guess what? God doesn't. He's not a machine. <laughs> he doesn't work the same way with everybody. He's going to talk to you and your situation for you. And he's going to do you for you. And he's going to confirm things in you to you. And sometimes you'll be the only one that knows it. Sometimes. But it'll be the confirmation. You'll do the math and you'll go, nah, God just answered. And he showed me. I shared a story with you back in January, but I'm going to share it again. Because it's such a great illustration of this. Louie is a church member, Christian. And in the church he's in, they're doing an evangelistic campaign. They're challenging all the believers in the church to share your faith with someone this week, right? And so he's in that mode. Uh, and he goes to the mall one day. And he's walking into the front door, and there's a man sitting on a bench. How many of you remember this story? Good. There's a whole lot of you that don't never heard it before. Praise the Lord. All right. So, or you have forgotten. And I know y'all forget everything I say. Don't act like you remember. Anyway, um, so he, he walks up to the mall. And he's just going to buy some stuff. He's going to two different stores. And he walks by a guy sitting on a bench. And the guy's just sitting there. He's not doing anything. And all of a sudden, what wells up within him is tell that man that God loves him. And of course, he doesn't have this happen. He says, it never happens to me. It just happened. And I thought, uh-uh, I ain't being the crazy guy. I'm not going to, uh-uh, awkward, weird, inappropriate, uh-uh. All that stuff flooded his soul. And he's like, I am not. No way. It's the campaign and all that. I ain't doing this. So he walks through goes into the store that he's going to, and he's leaving that store, going to another store in the mall in a different area, and he passes the same guy on a different bench. And he went, hmm, is he following me? No. Uh, how would he know that bench? How would he know I'm even going to that store? I mean, he couldn't calculate this. Like, what, what's the math on this? And he kind of goes, no, I don't care. I am not going to say that. But he kind of collected the thought, right? And he went on to the next store. Well, he's leaving that store, having make a purchase, and he's going back to his car. So obviously you see the triangle, right? Different location, other part, other side. There he is again. 
on a different bench. And now he's thinking, all right, the math is starting to not add up. Let's do stats right here, okay? Um, okay, you know what? It might be God. It might be. So I'm just going to jump out and risk it, okay? So he walks over to the guy, and he says, hey, you know, I don't want to be that weird guy, but I feel like I'm supposed to tell you God loves you. So he does that. And the guy starts crying and looks at him and says, what you don't know is that this morning I was ready to end my life. And I was giving God one more day. I prayed a prayer this morning. I cried out to God and I said, God, if you're real, you're going to have to show me you exist. And he said, you just told me that God loves me. That, does, that, seems, that seems kind of perfectly random. But he says, but you're the fifth person today to come up to me and tell me that God loves me. And I say that story to say this. Cry out to God. Are you struggling? Prayer. Prayer. Go to him and do business with him. He will answer you. He will work in you in a doubting season. He will be the way that your doubt take you higher in your faith. Maybe the where God is not, your faith is totally unwavering. He might meet you that to that degree where he totally blows your mind. But maybe he grows you one step more. He grows it and he grows it through an interaction with you. But prayer is the way. You need an encounter with a living God who loves you and it's real. And it's real. It's not concepts. And it's not evidence. Our evidence points to him, but it's an encounter with God that will make that settled in your heart. Help! Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just uh, we come before you and we thank you that we can because you sent your son to bridge the gap between lost humanity who have fallen away from you and he has bridged the gap from us to you. And now we have access because of the cross of Christ and his resurrection and us being in him, we have access to go to God, a real God who is everywhere, who knows us better than we know us. And you want us to bring our burdens to in desperation and in crying out and be authentic with you and trust that you are able to help us and then watch you make yourself real to us. I'm even thinking about that man on the bench. He could have said, you know what, it's just five random people. Just five random people. That doesn't mean God's exist. Yeah, you have to trust it. Lord, Show yourself to us. Help those who struggle. And Lord, even in this room, we know of people who are struggling and it burdens our heart. And let us, let us express that to you today, maybe even this time of response, if that's what you would have us do, is to call out to you during this song and intercede on behalf of another person right here. Someone who's struggling in doubts outside there, out there that we know. So meet with us, Lord, right now. In these next few moments, during this song, take us where you want us to go. Hear our cries, hear our prayers, and act and do things 
that make yourself undeniable in people's lives. And we ask for it in the name of Jesus. Everybody said amen, amen. Stand with me all across the room. Let's sing this last song together and spend some time in prayer.